0: Y'all remember the, some of you may and some of you might not know what I'm talking about, but do, is there anyone here that remembers the whole, the Word of Faith movement? Anybody remembers that? Yeah. Um, It's called the Word of Faith movement. It was uh, Hagen and Copeland and those guys who uh, began to put an emphasis on the integrity of the Word of God and believing and having faith in the promises of God. Um, And let me tell you something. Hagen and Copeland did not invent Faith. It was something they found in the Bible. They uncovered it. They brought it out. They emphasized it. It was a revelation and an understanding. And people really began to believe that God's Word was God's Word. And they began to believe in the promises of God and have faith in the promises of God. And what happened was, after a while, uh, the movement kind of got off of the foundation how I many of you know if you're going to build a big building, you've got to have a strong foundation? And you don't want to remove the foundation from a big building. And so in some instances, having nothing to do with Copeland or Hagen or any of those guys, some of the folks that came after them, they began to put an emphasis more on the Word than the author of the Word. It's they almost got to a point where they began to worship the Word. And so it got a little off a little bit, and of course God brought correction to it. And that, that movement goes on, and those truths that God gave us during that time continue to, uh, um, you know, um, guide the way in our relationship with God and His purpose on earth. Uh, anybody here ever have a car tuned up? Do they still tune cars up? I have a 1994 Ford pickup truck F-150 that I love. Right now it's not running too good. And every now and then I got to take it into Bassett and he tunes it up for me. Now, just because someone has something has to be tuned up, it doesn't mean you throw it away. Are you with me? So we don't throw the word of faith movement away because we believe in in the scriptures. We believe in the integrity of the word of God. We believe in the promises of God. And all of those wonderful things that we learned, we don't throw them away. As a matter of fact, what we do is we build on them. The Bible talks about line upon line and precept upon precept. And so we are building on those truths, those revelations, those things that came to us. But God forbid that we ever ignore the foundation if you're going to build a big building, you better have a big foundation. Come on, someone help me out. And I, uh, I, um, I want to emphasize a part of what I would call the foundation of what we believe. Because as God gives us more understanding, more revelation, more insight to what he's doing, we have to always refer back to the foundation. We must keep the foundation Intact. We must keep the foundation sound. Does that sound like a good idea to you? And so I want to talk to you about some of those foundation stones that are common to all of us. Now, I'll tell you one thing that's common to all of us, and that is each and every one of us have a gift and a calling. God has something for you to do. Turn to somebody and tell them, God. Say it like that. God has something for you to do. Say it like that. God has something for you to do. There's a part for you to play. There's a calling. There's a gift. And I'm glad Nancy talked about having a dream. I, I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. I'm always going ahead before the building is built and finished. I'm building another building for another purpose and another reason. And I'm looking forward for God opportunities and what God is going to do and what's going to be next. I'm a dreamer. I believe in dreams. I believe you need to talk about your dreams and and you need to talk about your calling. And, And the Bible is very specific. It says we should covet the best gifts. If you're not coveting a gift, if you're not longing for a gift, you're not searching for your place in the thing that God wants for you to do, you'll probably go nowhere. And so I pray to God that God stirs up inside of you. What is it that God wants me to do? What's my calling? What is my part to play? And I believe in that. As a matter of fact, I believe in it so much that I talk about it. When God puts those little seeds inside of me, those seeds of faith, when I can begin to see and begin to dream, I'm the most boring person to be around because I'm talking about the same thing. Over and over and over again, there's something creative about those words. And I dream and I talk and I dream and I talk and I talk and I dream and I get confused. And I just dream and I talk and I talk and I dream. And finally, it's like, can you talk about anything else? I had a dream, so many dreams. I remember dreaming about those harvest house buildings there off of 20, what is it, 20, huh? 22nd? We had uh, just enough money to build one, Well, one and a half. And so we bought these properties and we built one and a half buildings. We finished the second building and but we had enough room for another two very large buildings that are there. And we didn't have any more money. We were all out of dough. But I was dreaming, man. I was dreaming. And I would go out there with Peggy. We'd go out for pizzas, go out for something together or have guests.
1: What? After 40 years, I can interrupt the sermon and tell you how it really was. Okay. When we just had the property, and we had bought little tiny pieces of adjacent land and sewn them together to make one big parcel, we had $78 in the bank, in the Harvest House a bank, and he would take me out there. That's when it was still a mom-and-pop organization, if you know what I mean. So I knew how much money was in the bank. I don't anymore. But he would take $78. me... $78? Yeah. In the Harvest House account, yeah. So he would take me out there and say, we're going to build four buildings here. And I'm like, mm-hmm. We're going to put one back there. The one over here is going to have a kitchen. We're going to do one here. I think maybe one will fit back there. We can get four good-sized buildings. And I'm, I'm looking at just, you know, palmettos and and mud and, and some... Uh, pines and he drugged me down there at least 20 times and we would go through the whole thing now and this is only one instance of 32 years of this and that is that it wasn't when we would go down there those two buildings weren't there we had just the land and he would talk about those four buildings over and over and over again that's my story and i'm sticking to it Until she told me, if you take
0: me out one more time in this mud. I believe in dreams. I I believe that every one of us have a calling, a gift. There's something that God wants you to do. You know, you might be the biggest rascal on the face of the earth. But God still has something for you to do. Something that has, uh, you know, eternal consequences. God wants you to do something that will have everything to do with touching eternity. Turn to somebody and tell them, God has something for you to do. There's a calling. There's a gifting. There's an assignment. God has an assignment for you. And that's common to all of us. It's a very, it's a many-membered body. Every Every joint supplying strength to the other. There are various gifts, administrations of those gifts and callings. But there's something else that is also common to each and every one of us. And I feel like somehow, some way, we have put a certain truth aside. Thinking that we had to in order to receive the present truth. One thing all of us have in common, other than the fact that God has a part for each and every one of us to play, is anything that God does through you, it must flow out of the heart and the hands of a servant. We are all called to serve. Say it with me. We are all called to serve. It drives me nuts. I mean like nuttier than I am. When people, Christians say, you know, I'm bored. Uh, You know, I'm bored. There's nothing for me to do here at the harvest. Everywhere you turn, whether it's on your job, whether it's in the community, whether it's in the church, there's someone that needs the very thing that God put inside of you. And oftentimes, you know, the gospel is preached without words. We oftentimes are called to preach the gospel with a sincere handshake. Or a kind word. Or a hug. Or to go visit. To say hello. To make yourself friendly. You know how many folks just need a warm welcome every now and then? If you prophesy, it's by the same spirit. If you If you preach, or you teach, or you have a gift, if you have the word of knowledge, the Bible says it's all of the same spirit. And the manifestation of the Spirit of God is not for you. If you have a gift or a calling, or there's a manifestation of God's Spirit through you, it's not for you. It's for the body. It's so that all may profit. Now, sometimes some folks get a little gift and they want you to know about it. Well, they'll announce themselves. Hello, how are you? I'm My name's Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker. I know about Johnny Walker. You ain't that Johnny Walker, are you? No, I'm Johnny Walker, the prophet. Jack Daniels, the prophet, or the apostle. I mean, you know, what do you say to somebody when they come to you and say, oh, I'm so-and-so, I'm an apostle. It's like, yo, what do you say to an apostle? You know what I mean? It's not about that. It's about being the servant of the Lord. If you prophesy, it's by the same spirit. If you give, it's by the same spirit. And that spirit of God requires that each and every one of us, anything God gives us flows out of a heart of a servant and off from the hands of a servant. We are all called to serve. Come on, give God some praise with me. You don't have to look far to find someone that needs a kind word that you can serve. I want to tell you something. I first started preaching, I thought I was sporty. Real sporty. Jesus plainly said it. He said, if you want to be great... In the kingdom, be a servant of all. The apostle Paul said, I became all things to all men. To those who were under the law, I followed the law. To those who were not under the law, I ministered to the Gentile, I ministered to the Jew. He said to those who were weak, I became weak. I became all things to all men that I might win some. I put down my pedigree. You talk about a pedigree. He was a, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I laid down my pedigree so that I might win some for the sake of the gospel. Let me tell you something. And I like to line up every one of them fancy preachers out there. It's time for you to lay down your pedigree. Come on, someone say amen with me. Jesus is getting ready to give his life. Scripture says he did not come to be served, but he came to serve. Become a ransom for many. Jesus is ready to give his life. It is called the Last Supper. You remember that story? And so Jesus, they have dinner together. The scripture says he knew that Judas was going to betray him. Uh, But he wanted to make a lasting impression on his disciples. Now, I don't know about you. But if it was me, I would have been like, I'd have called Judas out. You punk, come here. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to knock you out in front of all these other guys so they know I'm the tough guy. He didn't even address Judas. He didn't even talk to Judas. He didn't say anything about Judas betraying him. I would have done some miracles. Go on, give me some lame folks. Bring them in here. I'm going to heal them. So, you know, I'm the healer. Go give me some two or three dead folks. Go get them. Get some light ones. Don't get any heavy ones. It'll be hard to get them in here. But drag the dead ones in. I'll raise them from the dead. He could have called for lightning, thunder. A windstorm. He did none of that. But he wanted to make a lasting impression on his disciples. So, you know what he does? Supper is ended. He takes a basin of water and a towel and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Jesus assumes the position of a servant, he begins to wash their feet. And this is what he says. He says, what I did unto you today is an example. And then he says to them, what I've done to you, go do it for others. That's the lasting impression that Jesus wanted to make on his disciples. If you want to be great, become A servant of all. Anybody here ever had the opportunity to serve someone other than yourself and when you came away from that experience it was like hot diggity dog? You're like, whoa, that's so much fun. Whatever it is. calling is. It doesn't have to be prophesying or preaching or teaching or singing or whatever it is. If I can give a can of beans away, a cup of water, a kind word, visit a widow. But when you walk away from that, you feel so good. It's medicine of the soul. To serve allows you to tap into the frequency of heaven. Anybody ever here turn on the radio and it's just static? You keep turning until you hit the right frequency, and then the song begins to play. Being a servant. Washing the feet of others, deeds of kindness, acts of goodness, is the frequency of heaven. Not only does it allow you to hear from God, in the process you will see such a miraculous provision. And you'll be able to see clearly what God has for you to do. If I take your shoes off Oh you have sandals So it would be easy And wash your feet I often want to ask you this question Besides taking care of your business Have you taken some time out To take care of God's business? besides dealing with all of your problems you know it's so neat when you begin to do things for other people you get you lose sight of yourself and when you lose sight of yourself you are going to be the happiest camper on the face of the earth because losing sight of you is almost as good as being delivered from demons Because the truth of the matter is it's not the devil that's jacked you up. It's you that's jacked you up. Heber, Heber's home. And his his father's here. And mother, oh my. And the baby, Heber, the baby, my baby. Oh, Heber, you have to show the baby. We can stop in the middle of my sermon. You have to. We haven't seen the baby. Let us see the baby. No, you have to stand up. Don't do that. Show her off. Oh, look at her. What's her name? Isabella? Isabella Isabella James, right? James? No? No, James? She is so beautiful. I'm so glad you're home. Yeah, I'm so glad you're home. You came to see us. And you're so beautiful. And this is Heber's mother and dad. Have them stand for a moment. These, uh, Heber interpret for them, to them, interpret to the mom and dad. These are the most wonderful people on the face of the earth. We went there to minister for them and all of the years of ministry, I've never been loved on like I was loved on by these people. Yeah, they have a, a great church. Uh, a great, great, great church. Now, this is a word of prophecy. Okay. Tell them to prepare themselves for great increase and great miracles. There's an anointing coming to the house for the sick to be healed and great miracles are going to take place. Greater miracles than they seem to this point. The Almighty has discerned their heart. Their heart is right before God. Their desires are pure. Their desires are for the sake of the kingdom. Prepare yourself for great increase and great miracles, miracles of deliverance and miracles of healing. We bless them in the name of the Lord. Come on, church. We bless them in the name of the Lord. We bless them in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I speak health, I speak wholeness, and I speak increase In Jesus' precious name, everybody give the Lord a good shout of hallelujah, amen. And, mama, mommy, stand up, mommy. You did so good. This is the month. Oh, I'm glad you're home. I love you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing the baby home to us. Good. She looks a little like me, doesn't she? I'll give them a good hand, will you do that? So Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, taking on the form of a servant as an example. I wanna I wanna just move forward here a little bit because there's a little bit of a a revelation in this that I, I want you to get. Abraham. Everybody know who Abraham is? Huh? Do you know what God asked Abraham to do? The most difficult thing that God asked Abraham to do? God asked Abraham to give his son. Anybody know about that Son. That son was the son of promise. Everybody say the son of promise. It was his posterity. It was his tomorrows. He prayed for that boy. God gave him a promise. And he prayed for that boy. And he contended for that boy. He has to wait until he's 100 to become a father of the promised child. His wife was 90. It ain't too late, Sister Pigs. (laughs) Going back to my homeland. I don't know what will happen over there. Hey, I'm, my, my, my mother's name was Rinaldi. I'm a Goomba. So he has this son, after praying, after believing, after being mocked, saying that he had a promise that God was going to give him a son. He's 100 years old. His wife is 90 years old. Oh, yeah, you're going to have a baby. Yeah, you're going to, sure, you're going to have a son. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure they mocked him. But he believed God. One day, Sarah became pregnant and she, she had a child. His name was Isaac. He's about nine or ten years old. And, and listen to what it says here. You've you got to see this, man. This is, this is wild. This is what God says to him. Now it came to pass, Genesis chapter 22. And now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your only son Isaac which you love and go to the land of Moriah. Everybody say the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This boy is his dream. It's the thing that he contended for. And God said, I want you to take your dream. Your passion. Your promise. And I want you to put a knife to its throat. Everything you've confessed. Everything you've believed. Your tomorrows are tied up in that boy. And God said, I want you to kill the dream and the vision. What? This is the promise. This is my tomorrow. This is my dream. This is my posterity. Well, God, you promised me this boy. And you want me to do what? I remember I was very, very sick. I don't know even what I had, but I was sick for a couple years. Some kind of immune something, something, something. I lost all of my strength. I slept all the time. And on top of that, I was trying my best to serve and pastor a church. And the church was going nowhere. As a matter of fact, we had revival in reverse. <laughs> yeah. I was laying in the tub. I was so sweat, sick. I would have night sweats. I'd sweat all night long. I eventually slept on the floor. Sick about a year and a half two years I had no strength and I got in the tub and I said God what's the matter for you what are you trying to do with my church you know what God said I thought it was my church And God challenged me. He said, will you love me in spite of? What if there's never a harvest tabernacle? Whether, whether maybe there will never be an Esther's place or a harvest house. Maybe you'll never see your dreams and the things I've asked you to do fulfilled. But will you love me anyway? I just broke down in the tub. I was sick in my body. My spirit was just destroyed. And I said, God, I will love you anyway. And I will serve you in whatever capacity to the day I lay my head down to rest." Come on and give God some praise with me. Let me, let me finish this. So you know, you know the story, don't you? How that, how that, he took the boy upon Mount Moriah. The word Moriah means the king's property, or the king's land. He took the child on Mount Moriah. Abraham, the ultimate activist servant, willing to give up the promise for the sake of God. And you know the story. God speaks to him. An angel comes and says, don't slay the child. He has the child all laid out. The wood is tied to him. He's he's tied, he's tied to the altar. He has a knife in his hand. He's ready to put... I put the knife to the throat of the promise. And God speaks to him. An angel says, don't kill the boy. And just then he hears a ram that is caught in the thicket or in the, in the bushes. And he takes that ram and he sacrifices the ram instead of the boy. It's interesting. That place was marked that day. That day, that mountain, that place was marked. It was sanctified by the act of a servant. what, what What are you saying? What do you mean by that? That day, Mount Moriah was sanctified and set apart as holy ground because a servant went there and offered everything to God now i know you're looking at me but i'm going to read one scripture and then i'm going to be quiet and then you couldn't really be happy let's listen to this second chronicles chapter 3 verse 1 Now, Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Where? Where? Say it. Say it where? Mount Moriah. It was Mount Moriah where David, if you read the rest of the scripture, David had purchased a parcel of land. It became known as the threshing floor. It was on that threshing floor on Mount Moriah where the house of God was built. Where the temple of the Lord was built. On that holy ground. But the ground was not sanctified by the king who bought it as the threshing floor. That ground was sanctified by Abraham, the servant of God that was willing to put the knife to his dream. Come on somebody, give the Lord some praise with me. The temple is built. The land is established. The ground is sanctified for a holy purpose because it was stepped on and dedicated by the heart of a servant who said, I'll put a knife to my son's throat if I have to do that to please God. Our greatest delight is not to be seen by multitudes or for either people to know our name. Our greatest delight is to serve for the sake of the kingdom of Almighty God. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap with me. Some of you have lost your joy you've lost your joy because you've lost your serve I get there often There's nothing more miserable than a miserable preacher woo, woo. I can get so miserable, I can't stand myself. (laughs) (laughs) But when I check my heart, I realize I am miserable because I've lost my serve. I I don't go over to the ladies program and it's not because I don't Love you. I love you. I appreciate I'm so glad you're here. My heart rejoices every time I see one of you graduate, when someone else comes. I, I don't come over to visit you because I don't think it's proper for an old man to be walking around a ladies' program. You know what I'm talking about? That's why I don't come, but I do love you. I mean, it just thrills my heart when I see one of you, your life comes together, and watch how you change. You're transforming what God does in your life. But I do, every now and then, Go hang out with the guys. Okay? We, we identify. I identify a little bit more with the guys. And when I get a chance to go over there, I normally wander over there when I'm in one of those moods where I'm not feeling the joy of God. And I'll start a conversation with someone I'll corner them whether they want to talk to me or not. They have to because of who I am. They're like, I guess I got to talk to entertain him tonight. And then there's one and there's two and there's three and there's five and there's six and there's eight and there's ten. And we're having a conversation and we're sharing back and forth. It's not preacher and client. It's just brother to brother. And I'm able to give away some wisdom. Wisdom. I give some things away to them and when I leave there, I am higher than a kite. I'm like, whoop diddy doop diddy doop diddy doop ha I mean, I'm telling you, I got the music up loud. I'm all rocking in my car. If a policeman sees it, he's going to arrest me and try to charge him with a DUI, DUI but I haven't had a drink. <laughs> I am so full of joy because I had an opportunity to give that which in me away to somebody else. It is Therapy. I know you guys think I'm coming over to check on you and this and that. that. I'm really not. I'm in need of much therapy. You should charge me when I get there. Stand to your feet with me. Father, help us. Help us. To look beyond ourselves, to reach beyond ourselves, and follow the footsteps of the words of Christ. If you want to be great, become a servant of all. Give us the fortitude, the insight, the understanding of how we can reach beyond ourselves. May we preach the gospel without even using words. A kind deed. A warm handshake. May we sanctify the ground of even being willing to sacrifice our own personal dream and promise for the sake of others. May the place because of our willingness to serve be sanctified and someday the temple of the Lord be built on it. Lord, we've often prayed for the joy of the Lord to be our portion. We've prayed for our giftings, our callings, our ministry, our destiny. But today we're praying that you'll teach us how to love, how to serve others. How to give our life for others. A neighbor, a church member, someone that we work with, a stranger on the street. Let our hearts be filled and our lives be filled with acts of goodness and kindness a smile, a handshake, some other kind of help. Because when we serve, when we serve, we truly are a reflection of the King of Glory. Jesus came to serve and give His life. As His children, We are called to serve and to give our life away. God, make it so plain. Opportunities. Let us see them. Those opportunities to serve you by serving others. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the story that is told all over town about this congregation a congregation of people that give a congregation of people that love a congregation of people that serve the ones that no one else is willing to serve i thank you for that and i thank you for the heart of this congregation i thank you for the heart of every member every believer Everyone that attends. Everyone that keeps this place in their prayers. I pray you bless them. And God, may we improve our serve. <laughs> may our serve get greater and better. May we get better at it. And Lord, not the person that we serve will be blessed. In the end, the truth of the matter is we'll receive the blessing. So I thank you. I ask you, Lord, to overshadow your children. Be with them. And Lord, I thank you for the most wonderful wife on the face of the earth. She has been an example of what it is to be a servant of the Lord. She has served her children and her husband in this congregation. And so I ask you to bless her special today. In Jesus' precious name, Everyone with me say amen, amen, and amen. Hug about five people before you leave. Five, not four, not three, not two, five. Hug five. One.